0: Hey everybody before we get started with the episode, I just want to say thank you for listening. It's been a few years now and if you've stuck with me, I really appreciate it. And another thing, I don't know if I've mentioned it a whole lot on the podcast, but 5 weeks ago my wife and I had our first child, Kennedy. And if you have children or know anyone who does have children, then you know what kind of responsibility that is, obviously keeping um, a human alive. But I'm trying to, to whittle down to only do the essentials and the necessities so I could be more available for my family. So I'm going to be releasing podcasts monthly now instead of uh, biweekly, and they'll come out the first Tuesday of every month. So uh, this one that you're listening to now, um, it's it's the last week of November, so I'll be publishing it next week. So it's kind of still on the same rotation, but... Just want to let everybody know in case they're like, "What the heck? Where's the episodes?" If uh, if you're looking for them, they won't be available uh, biweekly, just monthly now. So anyway, I I, suppreci- I appreciate the support, and I look forward to, to publishing more uh, later in the future. But for now, this will be this will be enough, I think. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, as always, shoot me an email at fcp at ericfeigl.com and uh, enjoy the show welcome to the fitness candor podcast your host eric Feigel will be bringing you the truth about exercise and the fitness industry you'll hear from fitness professionals exercise science professors and researchers fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders as well as people who simply love to talk shop stick around after the show to learn how you can get your topic in an upcoming episode enjoy the show
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fitness Candidate Podcast. Bob Sikora finally joins us. Bob, you think after me doing about 150 of these things, I'd have this down pat, but I guess I don't have a science to it yet. <laughs> Welcome to the show. No. no.
2: That's okay. <laughs> um,
1: so, Bob, you and I were linked up um, probably back in the summer, so a few months ago now, by a mutual friend, John Turner. And, yeah. um you know i had some some questions about uh some practices and and things like that some some business questions i wanted to talk to somebody who's been in the game for a long time and and uh john referred me to you you and i had a really really truthful a good conversation a very truthful and uh you know it's always it's always good for me someone who's young in the industry to talk to someone like yourself who who's been in the industry for over 40 plus years and who has seen a lot of trends come and go, um, you know, who who trains himself sensibly, who started out in the industry before there was even such thing as a fitness industry, I guess. And um, I think it'd be beneficial for people to to learn from you, to hear from you. So if you don't mind, give a little brief background about how you got into the industry and then we can kind of go from there.
2: Uh, Well, I was living in Ohio growing up i got my first set of weights when i was uh 13 years old i really didn't know what i was doing my my uncle bought them for me or or going uh, to play football you know it was just something new out there and he took me to a friend of his and the guy showed me some exercises and i did those i you know really didn't know what i was doing at all and then i um there was on the back of a Wheaties box back in the early '60s, asymmetric. Um so I bought a a doorway gym bar and started doing some of those exercises, some calisthenics, and I again I, I really didn't know what I was doing. I mean, it just you know trying to copy what somebody was uh, writing about. It. And um, I joined a, an old European health spa uh, later on after I was in two years in the service in Vietnam and that, and I come back, got married, and joined the health uh, European Health Fund with my dad, my brother, and I. And, again, there was, you know, just like anybody else, you go to the biggest person in the facility and you ask them what to do, okay? Hopefully that you'll be like them. And later on in years I found out, you don't want to do that. You want to do the opposite of what they say. Um, right. So, I, so I, I worked out for a while, then I moved out to Colorado and I got a job in, in the European house, block because I was working out there and the guy said, hey, you might look, look like you know what you're doing. And I said, yeah, I don't know. And he says, why well, do you like to work here? And I said, fine. And uh, we got a job there and then was the doorman at a, at a facility, a, a bar, and a guy come up to me and said, Hey, listen, I'm building a new album. How'd you like to work with me in, on it? And he had Nautilus. Not, I'm not really never heard that much about Nautilus, just a couple articles in Sports Illustrated, and I said, well, okay. And um so they have the machine delivered, and the drivers told me something. He said, listen, you want to learn how to do this equipment? You got to go down to Florida and learn this. And so I asked the owner about, hey, could I go down there? And I went down there for a week. And, uh, I met Ellington, Dr. Ellington Darden, uh, Jim Flanagan, and seen Arthur Jones, and, um, worked out a couple times down there. And I said, wow, this is really something. So, uh, I started to read up on it after that even more so. And all of a sudden I said, wow, this stuff is for real. I mean, it's the real deal. And I became involved with that. I thought I became pretty efficient doing it and started working out people on the machines in 1978. And all of a sudden I had some pro athletes, some pro basketball players and worked them out and was real successful with that. And I kept going out to Florida every summer for a week to two weeks to learn more and more. And then, uh, uh, Alexander Darden asked me to do a a project with them and it was called Six Weeks Muscle Maker for Women. And, uh, we did that down in Tampa, Florida and it was very successful. And then the novice, uh, um, asked me to be a sales rep, which I covered Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona. And then they, uh, brought me in from the field, uh, again down to Dallas to do a project with men, uh, called 3232, which was really, uh, successful project so would sell the equipment go out there and show people how to use it in the correct way and so forth and then Arthur sold the company and then uh, uh the new owners wanted to go another direction and and so we all got I guess you could say laid off they weren't into the training aspect of it and I moved back to Ohio and started uh, I hate to use the word personal training. I used to like to use the word personal coaching involved with that. And Arthur, in the meantime, Arthur started up uh, the new company, Medix, and I kept in contact with Jeff Flanagan, who was Arthur's general manager. And uh, then I started working for Medix and was with them for 25 years. And uh, been around the world, different locations, selling the equipment. And showing people the proper way to use the equipment. Uh, it's, uh, it's been fun. It really has. It's something I, I really love to do. I believed in it. And, uh, the concepts that, um that Arthur Jones came about with was, you know, it works if it's done accordingly right to the T. I mean, you just can't deviate from it. And, and uh, so, um uh, I'm seventy years old now, going on seventy one and I still work out twice a week. Um uh, days that I don't work out I like to take a walk for thirty to forty minutes and uh just you know, it's just to keep active. So um uh I've seen a lot of places that were successful, seen a lot of places that failed. And there's reasons why they failed and there's reasons why people were su- successful. So uh, that's about it, in a nutshell.
1: Well, there's in a nutshell, yeah. There's there's more. I would say there's probably more people. um, And our our friend John Turner has has mentioned us a bunch that, you know, if you want to lose a lot of money very fast, open open a gym. And I think you could you could probably, since you've been around the block a few times, you could probably attest to that. You've probably seen a lot of people try to start these new ventures, and uh, they dump a ton of money into it, and they try to create something. for the masses and and it just kind of eats them alive i mean i i uh, have a few friends from back home that have done the same thing right and it can be it can be a brutal industry but i wanted to ask you those first exercises and maybe maybe you may not remember exactly but those first exercises that you started with what do you remember what kind of workouts you used to do like when you were very first starting out it was just like any anything
2: else when you go to the gym Guys are always involved in the bench press. That seems like the number one exercise guys do. Okay, everybody, you go first thing you go in the gym, first thing you ask, people ask you, what do you bench, you know? And then the yeah. second most popular exercise the guys have that like to do is bicep curls, okay? Right. Then then some a degree of squats and bent over rows, overhead press, Things like that. And, you know, it's, it's like anybody else. Once in a while, you buy these bodybuilding books, and, you know, I think that you're going to be like this individual doing the, uh, the uh, you know, talking about doing the exercise in the magazines or the books. And, you know, it, it, it just gives people fantasy goals. And I finally realized in life that that's all these magazines do. They uh, They're basically for the young audience between 14 and 25 you know you get a guy uh that looks at the magazine say if i do this i'm going to look like this individual and that's not true the biggest thing is you got to have genetics the right genetics and i realized later on in life you know great athletes are born you know they're born with potential with uh, either the physical attributes or the, the skill of doing something that they're involved in. And uh, all these magazines every month, like a friend of mine, Matt Brisky out of Princeton said, they have the flavor of the month. Every month it's a different exercise. And they right. make up all kind of crazy, bizarre things to do. I mean, even this morning when I was, um went to the rec center where I, where I live at. And, and I walk around the track, and the reason I walk around the track, I I, I watch people attempting to do an exercise, doing all kinds of bizarre things, bouncing a medicine ball off the wall, uh, (laughs) jumping up and down in boxes, not lifting weights up, swinging them up. uh, You know, and I just want to get over there and tell some people, but I have to bite my tongue because I, I read a book, uh, it was a Dale Carnegie book, and it says how to influence people and make friends. In the first chapter, it says people don't like to be told they're doing something wrong. Okay? Right. And and I realized that I said, you know, that's right. And but the way to approach people, I think, is is saying you're doing something dangerous. You could injure yourself. Right. You know, therefore, they, they may stop and look at you. They're not going to tell you, hey, get the hell out of, you know, mind your own business. But when you tell people they're going to hurt themselves, injure themselves, then you're being concerned about them. And they and the person got to realize that, hey, maybe this person's doing something to help me from injuring myself. So, uh, but there's no supervision out there. There's none. I mean, the industry has come such now that, um, big businesses taking over, and their main objective is profit. They want to make yeah. money, okay? I, and I don't, I, I don't, you don't know, begrudge people for making money, but when you hear this statistic, forty-two percent of the people that join a fitness facility quit within one month. Forty-two percent.
3: Right. I mean, something's wrong there. Yeah.
2: And, uh, you, you know, and they just – got these new type of facilities, 9 a month, $10 a month, uh, open 25 a day, seven days a week. If I was homeless, I would join there. You know why? <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you the reason why, because I have a place when it's cold at night, I go in there. You think the help's going to care? They don't care. They get minimum wage. Have a place to shower, work out, rest, and you know who's going to bother me. I mean, basically, that's
1: yeah. A and, so, and some days at certain clubs, there's pizza Fridays, so you can get fed there too. Right, and, and, and
2: <laughs> you know what these the businesses are doing, and it's big businesses that are taking over these places, is that they want the cash flow coming in. They don't care if you get results. Right. They don't. No. Absolutely, they absolutely don't. And, and they just want to, you know, when they want to go to a bank and say, look, I have this business, all this money coming in per month, and then they want to borrow more money from a bank or a lending institute, whatever. And, and they, that's basically what it comes down to. And, yeah. you know, the, the big joke was, is this, the military was having trouble getting recruits to go to boot camp in shape. So they said, well, maybe we should have the health clubs do that. You know, we could work with, you know what? The health clubs can't even get their members in shape. I mean, think about this. And this is not my opinion. This is a statistic. People are in worse condition now, fatter now than ever before. And here's the thing: there's more health clubs out there, more equipment out there, more so-called personal trainers out there than ever before, and yet Americans are the worst in shape. Now
3: something's wrong
2: there.
1: Right. There's a couple different things, and i want to take some I want to take some notes. I want to scale back to something you said. Um, you know, you talked a lot about. You mentioned when you, when you were working out, you looked at those people who looked like they knew what they were doing, and genetics definitely plays a factor into that. And, right. I, think, and, I, and I think this kind of correlates into what you're saying now about what is wrong with the industry. So, number one, we think that strength training, it, it's basically marketed to those people who only want to look a certain way. It's not marketed to the people who need it the most that are exactly. the aging uh, the aging baby boomers especially I think everybody needs right. strength training so yeah so that, so that's a blanket statement however it's when it's when people start lifting weights and then they think well I'm lifting weights so I can get bigger muscles so I can look this good it's not they're not being taught here are the benefits of strength training because there's something called sarcopenia you start losing muscle mass as you age, and people say, well, it's it's about muscle mass. No, it's about your muscle function. If The stronger you can be, the better right. life you're going to have as you age. But that's not oh, how 100%. it's marketed. 100%. That's an not how just, it's marketed now.
2: Right. Well, an article just came out uh, on the Internet the other day in uh, some study, I forget where the university was, and it says, strength training is more important than cardio. And Harvard, yeah, well, yeah. Harvard Med School made a statement 15 years ago, and it said this, as we all get older, we need less cardio, more strength and flexibility. Right. And that's 100% correct. Because you think mm-hmm. of it, if your muscles are not strong and efficient, how are you going to do cardio anyways? Right. Okay? And, 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 you know, how are you going to walk? I remember one time I was in a mall. You always see a lot of older people, you know, when the weather's bad to go inside a mall, plus the safety factor, you know, being in, in an area where there's a lot of other people. And i seen this old guy sitting down. I said, sir, was something wrong? And he says, no, nah, I, just, I just don't have the energy, the strength to walk anymore. And nobody pushes that for the older segment of the population. Uh, i right. i mean
3: it, it it's it's so sad well, out there it, it it really is It and is. yet the
2: it, it, go ahead it it's getting worse and worse not better and uh, you know older people my age and i hate to say that cuz i i really don't feel 70 uh i i it's that when they go to facilities, there's loud music blaring. There's everybody. Right. The, the, the big muscle heads come in and dominate the the equipment, and then it becomes a social aspect where it, it's it's more of an entertainment facility than, right. than an actual workout facility. What the clubs are doing now, the majority of them, they're entertaining people. Okay, either by TV out there, music. Uh, letting people have cell phones uh, while they're working out on the equipment, people are, are I seen a lady on the ladies' just today swinging the weight, the movement arm, and, and on her cell phone talking to a friend. Okay? And I'm yep. thinking to myself, I would have a rule. Number one, no cell phones out there. If you've got a important phone call you got to wait for, it. go out in the lobby, stay out there until you get your call then come in. But you don't bring your cell phones out on the floor. You don't bring your headsets on the floor. You've got to focus what you're doing. So, you know, and you ever think of the reason why people quit facilities? Number one reason, they don't get results. Number two, they get injured. Three, they get bored. And four, which pertains to the first three, is they get no service. They don't. You know, oh you gotta have a personal trainer. I don't I hate the word personal trainer. I have a saying. You train animals, you coach people. Okay? By that I mean a coach is a person that takes an individual to where they are, to where they wanna be. Okay, training is just teaching somebody how to do something. Then once they know how to do it, then you coach them to get results. Right. And the, the, you know, everybody's a personal trainer, this and that. They end up being buddies and talking about everything else except working out. You got to focus on that person. You're right? right. You got to tell that person, hey, all I want is your best effort and you listen to what I tell you. Okay. And you focus on that. So it, it, it's it's frustrating. It really is. It's, um, uh, that's why I, I'm fortunate enough that I have a facility. There's nobody there except me. The <laughs> guy that lets me use the equipment and just go right through. No music, no anything, no distraction. Yeah. So,
3: I think um,
1: uh, I think you hit on I think you had on a lot of, a lot of topics there. And uh, the uh, to scale back to where you mentioned the the cardiovascular piece of, of things. Now, I have a hard time even now with the amount of people that I that I'm uh, working with, trying right. to tell them, look, I understand that cardiovascular work is important. I get it. And what they don't understand, and I think what our jobs are as professionals, people who are active in the field, we need to start educating these people that your heart is a muscle, and Exactly. it it and it needs to be worked. It needs to be stressed, and then it needs to rest. It doesn't need to go on these five mile runs and constantly get beat up every single day. Uh, now if a person now if a person is training for a marathon, a half marathon, I totally respect that. I don't do those myself. I, I hate running. But that's different. Now now you're talking about training your lungs to hold the capacity for a longer distance. That's that's different than training your heart and getting, you know, a good um like cardiopulmonary workout. That's what people are missing. Correct. They're missing that link. Um, and I think if if we as professionals can finally break through and say, and what I like to tell people, and maybe, Bob, you, you can uh, attest to this, is when you're actually strength training your muscles and you're breathing correctly, your heart is getting a great workout. Your oh, heart rate elevates You, you can lose your breath. If you're doing it correctly, it shouldn't do. You shouldn't go any more than twenty to thirty minutes, and you're done. Now, oh. I, now, that, that's how I train myself. A couple times a week, thirty minutes, nonstop. I just go. I know some people who travel a long distance to to come work with me, and they're like, "Look, I don't want to come to you for only thirty minutes." I'm like, "Okay, I." It's hard for me to say. I, I'm not going to turn somebody down, because they want to work out with me for an hour. Okay. That right. to me, I'm like, okay, well it's just more, now it's just more education process, but they still get a very safe and effective workout. I don't beat them up. Like, you know, they're not getting the crap kicked out of them for an hour. But, right. um, you know, and so, so fast forward to what you said about, about, uh, these big chains and, and how much money they need to make and who they market to. I think, I think the fitness industry is a great way people can make money. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people don't do it ethically. And that's where right. you start running into that's where you start running into like those big gyms that have like you said the $10 enrollment fees and then you get a month free and all this stuff. Bob, can you imagine what would happen to one of those places if every single member that signed up with them showed up at one time?
2: Oh you're right it, it, the place it really would,
1: the place the place would not they would they would go they would go under because number one, it would be a safety hazard because they can't fit that many people in in an area right so it should be it should be illegal like if you have a place that can safely fit two hundred and forty five people max, don't sell a thousand freaking uh memberships. Just sell the max and figure out why none of those people are showing up. So in turn, in turn, they have to keep selling memberships, but they don't care because there's no ethics involved. It's about the bottom line.
2: Well, I'll give you an example. A lot of these places have more salespeople than they have so-called service people out there. Okay, and they make all these promises that they can't keep. Oh, you come in here and you get this and this and that, you don't get it, And, and they relay the people is this, they, you know, they oh, exercise is fun. It is not fun, okay? <laughs>
3: not
2: fun. It, 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 you know, you know the the true. I looked up one time. I wanted to see what the simplest definition of exercise is. You know what it says? Two words.
3: What laborious
2: effort? Okay, a laborious effort. Not easy. Yep. Not fun. Not enjoyable. And. That's when people think they get frustrated. They say, well, you said this is going to be fun, and, uh, you know, and I like getting results and all of that. See, people want max results, minimal efforts. Okay? It doesn't happen that way.
3: No, it it doesn't.
2: I I mean, do I enjoy exercise? Not while I'm doing it, because it's work. Right. Okay? It's work. Now, what I feel, it's the after effect of it that I enjoy. Okay? Yeah. I enjoy, the, you know, they get the endorphins after I work out. And, I, you know, I feel I get that high in me. And it, it, it's, it, you know, when NAMAs come out, they said, yes, if you work out three times a week. You could expect these types of results. But people didn't read in between the lines. Okay? That's how you work out. You know, what efforts you give, did you watch your eating, are you sleeping, sufficient rest, are you hydrating, drinking water? And people overestimate how many calories they burn working out and underestimate how many calories they consume. Right. And you gotta, you got to sit down and spend time with people and explaining that. You know, that, oh, if you're going to do this, you can expect this, this, this. No. Let's tell you what you what you got to do on your part now.
3: All right. right.
2: Every, t- every time I run a project for uh, Dr. Ellington Darden, I tell people right off the bat, this will be the hardest thing you've ever done physically in your life. Okay? All I ask you is to give you, I don't care what you list. I just want your best effort. And by that I mean, I want it. This is what I expect from you. You exactly listen to me. I tell you the speed of cadence I want you to do, okay? I'm I'm critiquing you on the machine so you don't cheat, okay? That's what I want, okay? I don't want anything coming about. uh, I'm not impressed that you do the whole way stack. I'm not. That means nothing to me because I'm not trying to have you demonstrate strength. I have you trained for strength. Right. Okay? So that's the thing about it when it comes down to it with everybody. People don't understand that. And, and you know, when it, you ever notice the first time you went to a gym, the first thing they ask you is, what do you bench?
3: Okay? Yeah.
2: What do you bench for? That's, and the guy that benches the most is, is a, like a freak of nature. He's the big fish in the, in the gym. Every gym has a big fish. They do. It's the one that everybody comes up to Oh, gee, what do you lift? Oh, God, your arms are so big. It might be a woman. Where do women go up to the girl that's in the best shape, the prettiest girl? Oh, what do you do to get like this? Okay? And they don't understand that, you know, like going back to genetics is the biggest factor. You can't change genetics. That's the way it is. Right. And, you know, going back to you said about the cardio effect, I remember this it was thirty five years ago. I don't know if you remember the the models had a dual squat machine. I don't know if you remember that it was a uh, yeah, yeah, okay. and Darden took me to a workout on a machine. He got up my pulse two twenty plus.
3: <sighs>
2: it was being so fast he couldn't take my pulse anymore, and there was a the guy. And Terry Jasinski was writing a, uh, what do you call, a, a, a paper called Training a Trainer. That's what it was called at the time. And he got scared. And as I got off the machine, I said, what were you scared for? I, I, says, <laughs> I said, I was used to training that hard, okay? It, the intensity was there. I was focusing on all that. But but you got to move from machine to machine quickly. You know, people don't right. do that in, in clubs. They get up, they talk to their friends, they walk around, and they go back on the machine again. And you know, then they take their time. And instead of something that should take twenty to twenty-five minutes, it takes an hour to do. It
3: because yeah. they, they
2: You
3: know, so. uh um, Well. Yeah. It, it,
1: it, it's frustrating. Think, it, it really it is, is frustrating. Don't you think? Like. I I understand that most people, and you know, and what you're talking about, we haven't even touched on is high intensity training, and what what I what I like to tell people, and I what I like to sell quote unquote sell people on is when I work with them, the benefits of training for thirty minutes, oh, yeah. um, twice tw- twice a week, and I'll tell right. them like, look, you can spend three hours of your week in the gym. Okay, if that's what you really want to do, we can do that. However, if you want to spend more time not working out, not exercising and enjoying your life and being efficient while you're in the gym, then here's what we need to do. We're gonna work compound movements, we're gonna move quickly, take a sip of water, no nope, I'm not you know, I'm not i I'm not a drill sergeant, I'm not a baby. Right, if you exactly. want to work hard, great. I'm I'm, I'm here I'm here to help you get the most out of your workout. If you don't want to put the effort in, then you're not going to put the effort in. There's nothing I can, there's nothing as a coach you can do or say to a person that's going to pull more effort out of their workout. I can't, I can't, I I cannot hoorah enough on the sidelines and tell you what great of a job you're doing for you to work out harder. I just can't do it. And, If if the person buys into being more efficient for getting, you know, the untold amount of benefits um, of strength training and to be as efficient as possible, if they can get – they grasp all of that and they know that I'm there to facilitate and help that process, they'll have, you know, two, three of the best 20 to 30-minute workouts of their life each week. And if they if they don't want that, if they want to be – if they just want to be seen, they want to be able to tell people they have a personal trainer, they want to be able to go to the gym as a social tool, believe me, there's plenty of those people. I work with them. I see them all the time. And right. um, and look, I'm I'm not a person to say if you're not doing things my way, then forget it. There's, there's no other way about it. There are some things right. that I will absolutely tell people I will not do there are some things i'll tell people we we will do these type of exercises because here are the benefits but if a person comes in and all you know and they lollygag through half their workout Correct. you know it's not on me to to yell at them scream at them and be, and be mean no. to them now if it's if i feel like if it, if it's a legitimate waste of our my time and their time then we'll have that conversation but hey, if I can get them to go through 12 exercises and give, like, a little bit of intensity, then that's probably going to be the hardest thing they do all week. Okay, you know, <laughs> like, I can always right. get so much out of them, so. Yeah,
2: like, like the old saying, oh, you can
1: take a horse to water, doesn't guarantee it's going to drink. That's a 100% true, and I, I would rather have somebody work with me and give me 20% of their best effort then then say, forget it, I don't feel like working out today at all, and just not show up to the gym. Because they will get a benefit, even if they put in a half-assed effort. They will get some benefit. So at least there's that.
2: <laughs> well, you, well, you, let, you, let's put it this way. The only one that could determine that they're given their best effort is the individual themselves. Okay? Right. You know, i say so. I can name two individuals – there was unbelievable effort. One was a pro athlete, a guy named T.R. Dunn. He was a basketball player. This guy was, he he come in, he did, he gave give his best effort work. And all he said is after the effort, after the work, I said, wow, that was it. Never complained or anything. Okay? And the other one was a gentleman when I was doing a project with Darden. I was 59 years old. And I remember the guy's name to this day. His name was Jim Zupkis. He was the plant manager of General Motors uh, down in Arlington, Texas. This guy did exactly what we said. He followed the diet to the key. He drank the water. He slept uh, seven, eight hours a night. He was the best results I ever got from anybody. I I mean, he lost 27 and three-quarters pounds of body fat. In 32 days, put on five pounds of muscle and took five inches off his waist. This guy come in, he was, I mean, focused. He just did the workouts. I mean, he worked his butt off. And like I said, this was in 1987. And, you know, and after he got done, you know, we, we went through the project. He said, you know, Bob, when I walk through that floor, that plant, I walk with confidence now because of what yeah. I went through. He says, I had confidence in myself and people could kick that up. Okay. And he said, he said, this was the hardest thing I ever did in my life physically. He says, but you know what? After we're done, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. I couldn't believe yep. the benefits of it. And. You know, this TR son, he played like fourteen years in the NBA and he wasn't a great shooter. He was a defensive specialist. And Jack Ramsey made a statement, he was like black marvel. That's how big cut he was. I mean he was he was genetics. don't get me wrong, but he improved of what he did. And, and there was two those are two individuals I can name right off the bat that I still remember how they worked out for me. And yeah, you know, and people always ask me. Says, well, why should the athletes do this all? Day? I, you know, what I tell first thing is prevention of injury. The stronger you are, the less susceptible you're going to get injured. And if you do get injured, a conditioned athlete recovers faster back. The second of right. all to enhance your performance because when a, when an, an individual is tired. They, they get, they're more susceptible to injury. i give an example. Skiing. Most of the ski injuries, I live in Colorado, and I read a paper on this, happen on the last one or two runs of the day. Why? People are exhausted, they're tired, and they get sloppy on their technique. Okay, that's when they get injured. The third is to prolong your career. That's simple. Prevention of injury yep. to enhance your performance. To prolong your career, right there. Yeah. And-
3: you know, <laughs> go ahead. No, I'm sorry.
2: Go on.
1: No, I, it's okay. I, I, so I don't train many athletes. Obviously, I understand the benefits of strength training, and I, I tell right. people that there's no difference between um, how an athlete, in terms of exercise selection, how an right. athlete should train versus the general population. Everybody has the same muscle groups. Exactly. The intensity is gonna be different. The intensity is going to be different. But why why do you think if if injury prevention is such a big part of we know it is, the big right. part of what strength training is all about, why are we starting to see more and more and more of these power lifting moves involved in sports that are not powerlifting? They're lifting. They're not lifting the weight up. They're throwing
2: it up. Okay. Right. Throw, there's a difference. It's how much right. you can up and catch it. You know, a lot of these elliptic lifters and later on in life have joint problems: shoulders, elbows, backs, knees. All right, they have these problems. I, I mean, I, I it You know, I had a. I met a guy. And this is his name, his true name. He, he, he's, he's, he's Richie from South Africa, lives in Auckland, New Zealand. His name is Precious McKenzie. Precious McKenzie, I met him in
3: 19,
2: was it 83, 84. I was, I was working with a lady that was a, a world class, uh, runner at t- for 10Ks. Her name was Anna Dane. She was from, uh, New Zealand. He, he came, for some reason, came through Denver and that, Worked them, took him for a workout, I and mean, he, this guy, could bench two and a half times his body weight, but he was 123 pounds at four foot ten. Perfectly built. Yeah, four foot ten, 123 pounds, bench two and a half times his body weight.
3: Yeah. Now
2: that means if a guy's 250, he got to bench 750 pounds to do with this guy equivalent percentage wise. Somebody says, well he's only right. I don't he's 123 pounds, four foot ten. Hey, I what could he do about that? Right? I mean that's that's the way he was born. And right. it, it's the thing is is that you ever notice this in a facility? Men work from their waist up. Right. Women work from their waist down. Mm-hmm. Women are always scared about saying I'm going to get big muscles. You know I'm not doing anything muscle, but yet they want to work their legs, and it's not going to happen. You're not the average woman will never have big muscles. You always get that one percent that has the genetics of doing that. Okay, and but the average woman will not get. I I think it's a quarter inch of muscle mass. I think the average woman could develop a quarter inch. And I, I met one girl, I, I I don't want to meet the me on the term, she was like a freak of nature. She was six foot, solid muscle. Solid. And and I asked her, she was a a home economics teacher, believe it or not, up in Denver. I won't say her name, but I still remember it to the day. But I, I says. Uh, you know, what's your background? She says, well, I'm bigger than both my parents. I'm bigger than both my brothers. I'm bigger than all four of my grandparents. But my great-grandfather was six nine, three hundred 300 pounds. The genetics caught up to her. Okay?
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: right.
3: <laughs> the genetics
2: caught up to her. And,
3: and, and... But how many women are going to be like that?
2: Not many. So, no! And, and yet, I, I go to clubs and uh, women, instead of doing something for their upper body, you know, to strengthen them, they're doing a zillion late, late, uh, from the waist down exercises. And the guys that don't do their legs, they have skinny legs to start with and don't understand until you start stimulating growth in your legs, you're not going to grow very much more in your upper body, and which what they do? They'll wear long, warm-up pants. They'll wear tights that'll cover their calves and their their quads and their hands and that. But they all worry about. They're like a turkey. You get Thanksgiving. They have big chests, okay, <laughs> but
3: they have skinny
2: legs. And I, I, it is. There's so much misinformation out there.
1: Oh so my! Right. That's that's it. That's why I brought up the whole. The whole uh, Olympic lifting um, and explosive movements in sports is because right. now, now it's now because, well, and we know it's been in there in in the industry for a long time, but I think number one is when these athletes are being recruited to these large mega schools. Right. You know, it's much it's much more sexy to, to it's sexier to walk into one of these rooms and see all these bumper plates. And Olympic lifting stations, than it is to see a line of Nautilus. And and unfortunately, that's kind of that's that's the world we live in now. It's all perception. And then and then you've got young coaches being taught and being shown through social media, uh, through the athletes that they work with. You know, athletes like oh, I got to be able to power clean, you know, however much weight to be able to make it. No, you don't. If you had a coach just break down what a power clean is and why um Olympic athletes are athletes but not all athletes are Olympic athletes. You know? Right. Like there's no actual there's no actual sport transfer from a player doing a a power clean or a power smash or anything like that to the field. That's not that's not the point of, of strength training. But right. nobody wants to talk about that because it's not sexy. It's the same reason that you see on uh now it might be changing a little bit depends on who you you pay attention to, but you know, like you said, the women if you get on social media, which I'm pulling back a lot more now because i'm I'm tired of seeing all of these different kinds of posts, but you'll see women take pictures of their butts and their legs and everything, and it's just
3: it's
1: <laughs> it's all it's all for image there there's no actual truth or um actual context behind what they're doing and why they're doing it it's just like hey look at me look how flashy it is it's the same thing in uh in strength training and with athletes and the general public you know the general yeah. public sees strength training as what athletes do and unfortunately an when they see that they, they they see guys bench pressing 500 pounds for whatever however many reps they can do or 250 pounds for you know 30 reps or whatever it is right. in the NFL. And then you explain to that person, you know, that actually doesn't matter. Exactly. And and it's hard for them to get their – it's hard for them to wrap their head around it. And it's hard for an athlete to wrap their head around it, especially a young athlete. And, uh, you know, honestly – and you know this just like anybody else it, else's – if I were to show you my workout, which is very simple. I do either a leg press or a dumbbell front squat like a goblet squat, and I do a hamstring curl, I'll do a dumbbell lunge, I'll do a leg extension, I'll work my hips, and then I'll work my uh, anterior tibialis, the front of my shin, I'll work my calf, and I'll do some ankle work, and then I'll go to upper body, I'll do a seated upright chest press, a mid-row, a decline chest press, a lat pull-down, or a pull-over, I'll hit my shoulders, either lateral raise or shoulder press, Uh, I I, I might only work biceps and triceps. I only do that like one day a week. I'll hit my neck. I'll do some shrugs, and then I'm done. But if you show that to somebody, that workout is boring. It's not fun to look at. But if you throw in a bunch of ball slams, you throw in box jumps, you throw in, you know, all these other things that just elevate a person's risk, for some reason they're more attracted to that, and I don't understand why.
2: Because you know why some celebrity does this. People in this country they love celebrities, and it's amazing. You know, going back to the athletes. You ever watch the combine on TV? The NFL combine. Nope. Okay, think do the Don't. bench press. And The yeah. bench press is one of the things. It's a total absolute joke. It's an absolute joke. The 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 technique the form is. Terrible. They're bouncing, uh they they go wide grip. they think. You know, I I I tell you something. Remember Dick Butkus? Yeah. Okay? Dick Butkus was like 6'3, 250 pounds. What do you think he bench pressed? Dick Butkus had long arms, narrow shoulders. Okay? He was built to be a linebacker. Alright? He only did like a 275 bench. From what I heard when I was down in Lautless. Okay, 275. Remember I said this Precious McKenzie? Yeah. He did two and a half times in his body weight to 285. Alright? But Precious McKenzie was built the bench press. He had short arms, wide shoulders, big chest, but anybody's four foot ten. The distance we lift out. With Chamberlain was seven foot. Right. (laughs) He weighs about 300 pounds, they said, in his prime. And he could best press 350. He was 300 pounds. That's still a lot for a big, winky guy? Exactly right. That's what I say. Weight times this is what you lift. You look at all the best press contests right now. You ever watch the World's Strongest Man Contest? Yeah. Okay? The
3: guys, the ones
2: that are the best events are the ones that have the right body proportions for that event and the skill factor. They had exactly. the, what they call. It, they had this guy from the UK, they call him Stumpy or something like that. He was like five foot two, five foot three, and he had his Atlas balls. He couldn't lift up the final one because it was too high up. He couldn't reach it. All right. right. <laughs> All right. I mean, it, it, it's, but people they're infatuated when they see somebody lift up something in the gym and everybody stands, Wow, she's strong and or you know, she's strong and uh, you know, I I was at the gym, a guy must have been a hundred and twenty five pounds soaking wet, grabs two fifty pound dumbbells and gonna do shrugs. Price, he, he only moved it up a quarter of an inch at the most. Yeah. You know, that's trying to impress somebody, you're gonna hurt yourself.
3: Right. Right and, and, and
2: like I'm saying, it's people try to demonstrate strength instead of train for strength. They really do, and, and I know, like yeah. I'm saying, I, I, I just I I really hate. And I used to sell the health clubs a lot in fitness facilities, and I, I really hated to go into it because seeing how people abuse. The exercise, which is supposed to be done properly, you know, a guy grabs 50-pound dumbbells and swinging them up and down, using momentum to do bicep curls and all that, for what? So, you know, people got to realize that you're you're injuring yourself. Now, You know, when you're young, you you might not feel it, but as you get later on in life, you're going to have joint problems big time yep and and it's true i just i i just i i hope it changes i doubt if it's going to Uh, i really do and um unless somebody could come up with a facility i would i would put a rule up on the wall we reserve the right to tell you how to use our equipment safely your safety is our main concern Nobody's ever going to argue safety in your facility, right? Think about it. Because if, the, if people get hurt in a club, they want to sue.
3: They want to sue, and uh,
2: it, it's just—I mean, owners. Yeah, you're the only type. The only facility I ever seen that you had to, to to use the equipment the way they told you was called teaser training in Europe. Okay, they tell you this. This is the way you use our equipment. If you don't use it that way, go down the street. We'll give you your money back. Go right there. That, but nobody
3: in the United States will do that. They're scared to lose one member. Yeah, that's true. So, you know
1: what's uh, it's well, it's the same thing with uh, personal trainers telling. They're afraid to tell their clients they won't teach them how to do, like, a Turkish get-up, for instance. You know, so a right. client walks up and says, you know, I'd really like to learn how to do a, a Turkish get-up with a kettlebell. And yeah. I just flat-out tell them, I'm like, well, I'll I, I I tell you what, if you can go learn it and you teach it to me, we'll do it. Because I don't know how to do those kind of movements. And I don't believe in them, and that's all there is. You're to right. It. And, there's some, and there are some trainers. That think I'm an idiot because that client then will not work with me. But you know what? I I strongly believe that for every client that walks away from a trainer who who won't do what the client you know tells them to do or wants right. them to do, there there is a client looking for you. There's a client out there looking for a trainer right. to to tell them to do what's right. That's going to keep them safe, and that's going to do what's sensible, and it's going to last for a long time. And I I think if there are any trainers out there that are listening to this that, that are that are maybe hanging around a gym and are questioning what a head trainer's uh telling them and questioning what they're seeing in social media. Keep questioning those kind of things. You don't have to fall into that trap of of doing what everybody else is doing because that's what's gonna attract the most people. I don't want to be available to every single person out there. I want to be available to a very select few people who are going to pay me what I'm worth because I'm going to keep them safe for the long haul and I'm going to get them the best results as long as they're willing to put the effort in. And we need more people out there that are like that and more, more studios that are like that, more gyms that are like that, you know, but, but I think, I think in today's day and age with, uh, with social media, how it is, and and it's going to be harder and harder and harder for those trainers to step out and, and right. to uh, and to attract people. I don't think it's impossible, though. Um, well, it, I it, think it, you it, can still do it. To
2: me, and I'm talking because of my age. If I was to start a place, I would have a place for people fifty five and over. Okay. Yeah. And I would have it nothing against young people, but I would have it staffed with people sixty-five and over. That would be my staff, because I, and I noticed this: young people don't want to listen to older people, and older people don't want to listen to younger people. I mean that's right. that's the way it is. And you try to. I remember my white cousin's son. He got into powerlifting and all that. And I I said, Hey, you know, and I said, You know, I just wanted you to know what the risk of powerlifting is, Olympic lifting is. There's a risk. Okay? And you're going to, your joints are going (laughs) to, you're going to injure yourself, which he ended up in. But he didn't want to listen to me. "Ah, I don't believe in what you say. One set maximum method. You got to do three, four sets and all that. You know, and I said, Hey, I'm sorry I even bothered to tell you anything, and he did injure himself. And I I, I would I would do a facility. There's no music, no cell phones allowed out there. I would have a staff that, first of all, you got to believe, practice, and love what you're doing. Yes, this is the way we're you're going to work out people. Okay? Your safety, and first of all, you tell people, your safety is my main concern. Then productivity, then time consideration. We're not here to keep you all day. And, you know, when these people tell me they work out for three hours, well, give me a stopwatch. <laughs> all right? Right. Every time they do an exercise, I, I click it. Out of that three hours, they're lucky they work out. A third of the time, actual movements, right, the rest of the time yes. is walking around, posing in the mirror, bsing with people, and stuff like that That's what it becomes to and it, i I would love to do a facility you know for people fifty five and over and 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 this is and you educate people. You gravitate the way I I, I like to a deconditioned person. The first two weeks I like to work them off three times a week. Okay, start them off with five exercises at first. Okay, lay press, seated row, chest press, which is a uh, uh, pull push movement, uh, pull down, and an overhead press. Okay, then after two weeks I gravitate them to twice a week then I would add two exercises, one being a low back, okay? Then the other one I would like to add on is a neck. How many people work out their neck? Hardly any. Exactly. And what is the most severe injury you could get? Definitely a a neck injury. Okay. All right. Then after another two weeks, I gravitate them to a couple more exercises, okay? Maybe a lateral raise or bicep. Okay, it 10. And, and, and then eventually work them up to 12 exercises twice a week. Then integrate other exercises involved in it. Like an adduction, abduction, abduction and, uh, or a leg extension, uh, seated leg curl. Uh, you know, and, 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 and move things around. Never tell people what they're all going to do. Just give them the unexpected. And because people, I look at their exercise cards, Doing, for the last five years, they're doing the same exercise, the same resistance. All right, something's wrong there. Yeah. Right. So, I, I, I mean, but, but then you, I would rather get a staff that has no background in exercise,
3: because when you have
2: a background and what what they consider a background, and and I I really don't consider what they know is that they don't want to change. I want people with a, a, an open mind. You know, I'll, I'll tell you where I'm right and I'll, I'll show you where you're wrong on the exercise that you've been doing. And I can prove it to you. So, um, it, 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 something's got to change in this industry. Is it going to change? Who knows anymore? I mean, I, I hope you're, you're young enough that you'll see the change, you know, yeah. before I'm gone. Uh, yeah, there
1: I think there's I think there's there's going to be pockets of people who who search and who find someone who has their best interest in mind and who have and who know true strength training principles, right? And know how to relate to a person to get them right. to buy into it. And there's going to be enough people that uh that keep, you know, everybody else in in business. It's 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 gonna be a split, and the people I think that are doing the best work, um, they'll find their niche and they'll find their people. But you know, anybody who thinks it's gonna be easy and this is an easy industry just because they like to work out and they have a good look, forget yeah. it, for, You're 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 in for a rude awakening. That's not how it works. It takes a lot of a lot of effort, a lot of time, um, and it's not it's not always the easiest thing to do. <laughs> but yeah. I think um I want to be as positive as I possibly can for this industry because I love it. Oh, um, I love it too. Like how yes how how I support my family and I want the best for it. And uh I get really sad when I hear people that I know who could be really good for the industry get frustrated and, and leave. And I hope that I hope those people just if you're out there yeah. and you're listening to this And you're like, yeah, those are all the things that I believe in, and I'm getting frustrated. Stick with it. You know, if you've got got one client right now, in three years you might have 10 or 20, and in another six years you might have, you know, 50. Like, stick with it. It will happen.
2: Well, the best thing for business – I read a great article one time. One time. He says, if you put your customers first, profit will come. If you will, put profit first, you're going to lose customers. Right. Okay. And the thing is, is that what you want to do is focus on your people. Don't chat, chit-chat with them while they're working out. Because now they're not going to give you the best effort. The technique is going to get sloppy. You focus on that person. Your main job is to make sure whatever they're doing is safety. That is number one, safety. You look at the exercise you've given that individual, what is the potential for injury? All right? And I know that the exercises that I gave the individual, the potential for injury, if they do what they told me was so minimal, I I, I mean, they weren't going to hurt themselves. Now, if they do a swinging type exercise, blowing the weight up and all that, where does that stress go? Right to the train. Right. And they're going to get hurt down the road. Now if you want to do that, that's your business. And when I in between Nautilus and MedX, I was I had a little business back in Ohio and it started with one individual and it snowballed. I never advertised one bit. My attrition rate was about ninety percent. The people that quit didn't have the money, right? Or they moved. And uh, you know, I, I felt the people that didn't have the money, I, you know, that, that maybe the job situation and stuff. You know, I I said, well, maybe you could do one day a week with me and and do the the other day by yourself. And but I got people that when I started to work for Medics, I left. They were mad at me. Why are you leaving? Why are you doing this? And, and I had a great business, a great business. And uh, the, the facility I was working in, I was bringing in members, so they wanted $100 a month from me, okay? And I'm bringing them in business. I was even opening up the facility. I had the keys to the facility. Open up, make sure the machines run right. Then they went up to $200 for me. They wanted a month. Then yeah. it was $300 a month. Then it was four. Then they they Then they wanted $500. For me, and well, I was leaving anyways uh, because I enjoy traveling and going to different facilities and that. But there's money to be made, and, and, and but if right. you results, you've got to produce results, you have got to produce results. Remember, I said the people don't get results,
3: they quit. They right. quit.
2: And, and, and mm. so. You got to get into that stream of that, hey, I'm focused on that person. I'm not there to be their buddy or to be their companion. I'm there to coach them to get safe maximum results in a short period of time. That's it. That's what it comes down to. And that's true. You know, if, if, if Joe don't want or Mary don't want do kettlebells and swinging and throwing them and catching them and all that stuff, hey, let them. Those people are going to get injured and they're going to lose clients. So I just, you know, I've been doing this a long time. You know, I made mistakes. I used to, when I first started working people out, I thought I was a drill sergeant. I used to have the mentality I wouldn't give them water. One guy said, "You're crazy. You won't let me drink water while I'm working out." I was wrong. <laughs> I was right. wrong because I had that mentality coming up in the early '60s, playing football. The coaches would say, "If you if you have water, you're a sissy, and this and that. You got to be tough." No, those days are gone. Those days are gone. You never deny anybody water, never. And I learned. I learned from my mistakes. And you know, and so there's a future. You can make money. You can make good money, yep. really good money. But put your clients first, because your best source of advertisement is a client that got results. That's what I did. People used to call me up all the time. Hey, I? I said, "Who'd you?" I, I don't advertise. So I saw I seen uh Susie, and man, she got some great results, and she's okay. Oh, you know how could I? You well, know, yeah. I'll sit down with Saki. I'll tell you what's involved in it, and it's up to you. And but here's what I expect from you. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I wish I had to do it over again. I, you know, <laughs> learning from my mistakes that I made when I started off, and, and when I made a bad business decision, and I'll tell you what that was. I had a set price for everybody, and then. I had people come up and oh I can't afford this. Okay. I would give them a cut rate and you know what happened? Other people found out about it and they said, Well how come I you know and Yeah uh, you can't you, you charge everybody the same. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because when people and then then the other customers will say, Well, how come I don't get this rate? No, you have a set policy when you're in the business. Everybody pays the same. And and that's one thing I I learned about Arthur Jones. He wasn't the greatest businessman in the world, but two things he did. One, everybody paid the same price for the Nautilus and the Medics when he owned them. Everybody. There was no discount at all. And second of all, when he said he was going to do something,
3: he did it. But, uh, uh, again, I mean,
2: it's a business. Remember that? It's a business. And you have to understand the business that you're in. And uh, I I wish you a big success in this. If I ever can help you out, just let me know. I mean, I, you know, I'm willing to help people. I want to see them get results. And uh, I want to see things change in this industry. You know, right now I'm at a stage in my life that it's depressing to seeing what's out there in the yeah. fitness industry. I see the magazine. God almighty, all they are is 80% advertising. <laughs> okay? And uh, I, I just hope young people like yourself can make a difference. Okay? Make a difference in that. I know it's an uphill battle.
1: Yeah. You know, all right. All right. Well, I think I think the more conversations we have like this, and the more, and yeah, you're right. There, there's a lot of, of misinformation out there, but the more information we can get out like this, that's why we're. That's why I, I can't bash you know the the entire uh, social media platform all at once, even though I think it's it's done a, a great deal harm right. to the industry. Because we can get this conversation out there. We can get the conversation that you had with uh, the, the Truth Not Trends guys. We can get all these solid people out there spreading good information. Is some of it going to get lost in the weeds? Yeah, it will. But honest to God, I think that things that get lost in the weeds will always get found again. Because high-intensity training, true strength training principles, they're starting to, to make their way back uh, into mainstream. I'm starting to see articles. Clients are bringing me articles that are in the New York Times. They're bringing me, you know, all these mainstream publications that are starting to talk about things that were realized by Arthur Jones, people like yourself, uh, people like John Turner back, you know, uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And they're bringing them to me like, wow, you know, you and I are doing these things. I'm like, yeah, this is not new. I didn't invent this. I'm just lucky enough to have fallen into an area that I realize what works and what doesn't. Um. But Bob, I I think I think we got a lot of good information out there, and and you said, uh-huh. you know, if if people out there want to to get a hold of you, if they want to contact you, what's the the best way to do so? Do you have an email address you can point them to? Yeah,
2: it's um, my name uh, continuous, Robert J Sikora S I K O R A at yahoo dot com. If I don't get back with you that day, that means I need to traveling or or something come up, I will get back with you one way or the other within a day or two. And at an age, I I definitely want to help the younger ones out. Try to give them the right direction. So, uh, again, I appreciate you having me on your podcast and I I wish you much success in what you're doing and uh, I know you do well.
1: Well, thanks, Baba. I appreciate it and I know people out there will appreciate it and if people do have questions, comments, concerns, then I, I hope they do reach out. So we'll, we'll definitely keep in touch. And um, No problem. Easily, Anytime. Okay? All right. You have a good day. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to suggest a topic or be a part of the show, get in touch with Eric on any social media platform at Eric Feigel or email fcp at ericfeigel.com.